On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. And ladies and gentlemen, today's episode is sponsored by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch this season, and trust me, even as a reporter covering your favorite football team, we are watching the game differently as well. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to MayFootballWatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Today is Thursday, October 22nd, and your Houston Texans are gearing up to take on the Green Bay Packers this Sunday inside NRG Stadium, which means today I will be joined by Peter Bogowski, host of Locked On Packers, for Crossover Thursdays here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And with a matchup against one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers, I'm kind of excited to see how does Peter feel the Houston Texans will not only fare against the Packers, but what type of damage Aaron Rodgers might do to this subpar secondary? I'm, I'm, I'm very interested and I'm also very nervous to see what Aaron Rodgers might be able to do. But ladies and gentlemen, before we start talking about Aaron Rodgers and before we start previewing Sunday's match against the Packers, we have to talk about some of these rumors because your Houston Texans have been in the rumor mill ever since Jason Camflora of CBS Sports reported that league sources believe that several Texans could be on the move with the trade deadline less than two weeks away. In his report, Cam Flora mentioned that guys like Whitney Merciless, Zach Cunningham, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Randall Cobb, and of course, J.J. Watt are all potential targets ahead of the trade deadline. During yesterday's media availability, Randall Cobb and Deshaun Watson came out and said following practice, they all had a team meeting, and Watson said that the trade rumors and speculations were squashed by saying, them boys ain't getting traded, nobody is going anywhere. We are going to stick with this team and keep pushing forward. J.J. Watt, who has been at the forefront of all the Houston Texans trade rumors, came out and said, my goal since I got here was to bring a championship to the city of Houston. That remains my goal until the day I'm not a Texan anymore. That's always been my goal. That's what I'm working towards. That's what I'm working towards today. And that's what I'm working towards tomorrow. So although the players came out and tried to hush the trade rumors as much as possible, I do believe that this is far from the end of the Houston Texans and in figuring out what are they going to do with the trade deadline less than two weeks away. And with Jack Easterby acting as interim general manager, it's kind of unsure what the Houston Texans are going to do over the next few days. But personally, I do believe that it will be in the Texans' best interest to begin moving on from a few of these guys. Because when it comes to the trade day line, no matter what sport, no matter what league you're in, there's only two routes a franchise can go. Either you can try to make a move or two in order to push towards the playoffs or in some cases push towards a championship run or try to attain enough pieces that will help your franchise rebuild for the future. And perhaps the Houston Texans fit the latter of this equation, especially as this team sits at 1-5 on the season and possibly 1-6 as they head into the bye week. So let's say, for example, the Texans are considering making some big moves, some major significant moves at the trade deadline. 
we're looking at what the Texans can get in return. The main thing this franchise need to make sure they do is obtain draft picks and as many of them as possible. However, when looking at the players who could be on the move, I still think J.J. Watt is the player who has the best trade value more than anybody on this roster. Talking about moving on, matter of fact, talking about trading one of, if not the most beloved Texan of all time hurts. It hurts me as a reporter. It hurts me as a fan. It hurts me as a Houstonian. It just flat out hurts. But at the end of the day, it's what's best for both parties. At the end of the day, you're looking at a situation where Bill O'Brien has stripped this team from his talents. And from the way things look right now, it could be an extremely long time before they can start recuperating and rebuilding this roster. And I say that because you look at our record and it's clear that our first round draft pick is going to fall somewhere in the top 10. But at the end of the day, that's going to Miami. And you can say you can rebuild this roster through free agency because they don't have any cap space. The Texans have the highest payroll in the National Football League. So it's kind of like the Texans are forced in a situation where they have to make some trades in order to get a jumpstart on this rebuilding process. And outside of Deshaun Watson, and you guys know so damn well the Texans are not about to trade him, the next player with the highest trade value is J.J. Watt. I do believe that's the best move that the Houston Texans should consider. And they should consider it now. Don't wait until the offseason. Consider it now. And when looking at teams who are in a win-now mode, some of the teams that I would possibly say he can get traded to is a team like the Seattle Seahawks, the New Orleans Saints, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and my God, putting J.J. Watt and his brother T.J. Watt on the same defensive line is going to create havoc across this league, and even the Baltimore Ravens. And those are just a handful of teams who I know who are in a win-now mode, especially the Saints, given the fact that this could be Drew Brees' last year. They will do anything it takes to try to get that Vince Lombardi trophy from Kansas City to their city. And adding a guy like J.J. Watt to one of those roster will help that become a reality. Now look, right here in Houston, like I say, man, at the end of the day, it's time for the Houston Texans to start thinking about their future. And they need to start thinking about their future now and not start thinking about their future at the end of the season. Because, hell, even if the Texans go on a second half tear, the chances of them being a wild card at this point is slim to none. And even if they do go into the playoff as a wild card, What's the possibility, what's the likelihood that they're even going to get out the first round? That's why I am jumping the ship. And I think it's time for the Texans to use this 2020 season as a redshirt year. Start giving your young guys like Jonathan Grenard, Ross Blacklock, John Reed, start getting them more playing time so they could be more ready when the 2021 season comes. As the old saying goes, there is no better teacher than experience. And right now, none of those guys are touching the field, which means none of those guys are gaining the experience that they need. Like I mentioned, it's time for the Texans to start thinking about their future now. Do not wait until the end of the season. Don't wait until the calendar flips to 2021. Get a jump start on it now. And think about it, guys. If you depart from guys like Whitney Merciless, Brandon Cooks, and J.J. Watt, you're looking at a situation where the Texans can possibly free up $30 million in the cap space heading into the next offseason, which can be very beneficial when trying to add players through free agency. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the Texans do with the trade deadline looming over their heads.
I'm on the side of the fence. I think it's time to blow this team up and try to get as many draft picks, try to get as many young prospects back as possible. Because at the end of the day, and I hate talking about the Texans like this because it truly is a sad situation. When you think about where this team was in January, even with the embarrassing loss to Kansas City, the future seemed bright in January. Ten months later, you blink your eyes and it's like, what the hell just happened? At the end of the day, the Texans need to start thinking about their future now. Because you already have the most important position. You already have the most important player locked up. And that player is Deshaun Watson. And this team need to do something to put themselves in a position where they don't end up wasting the talents of Deshaun Watson like the way they wasted the talents of J.J. Watt. Like the way they wasted the talents of Aaron Foster. Like the way they wasted the talents of Andre Johnson. They need to get a jump on this rebuilding process now. And I keep saying it, guys, over and over and over again. I know it hurts. I know nobody, including myself, can picture Watt in a different jersey playing for a different city. I know it hurts. But at the end of the day, it's what's best for not only the Texans, but what's best for him. Look at what this man has accomplished throughout his career. And the fact that this man has given his all and became one of the best defensive tackles in NFL history. And not only do he not have a Super Bowl ring to show for it, not only do he not have a Super Bowl appearance to show for it, but the man don't even have an appearance to the AFC Championship game to show for it. At the end of the day, Moving on from the Texans is what's best for J.J. Watt. And moving on from Watt is what's best for the Texans. With every increasing number of makes like Fiat, Kia, and models like Pacifica and X-T5, it is now impossible to stock all of your parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidated questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer? Choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry. Come on, guys. We can do better than that. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can use for other important things like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? For example, the Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 through 2010 Honda Odyssey cost $353.99 at Advance, a big chain store. But it only cost $216.79 at rockauto.com. Chain stores have a different price tiering for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices available rather than the changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Do You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
We're back for another crossover Thursday. Locked on Packers, Locked on Texans. Joining me from Locked on Texans, Cody Davis. And Cody, this is not the season Houston or Houston fans thought they were going to get coming into the year. Bill O'Brien is out. Romeo Cronell is in. Uh, Luckily, Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt, some of their marquee players are still in the mix. Deshaun Watson uh, is still trying to make it work, almost single-handedly helped them beat the Titans next w- or last week. Excuse me, but going into this game, are the Texans really still playing for anything other than pride? Yeah, you know, at this point, it is really confusing to know what the Houston Texans are playing for. You have one side of the fan base saying, you know, hey, you can still salvage this season. You still have J.J. Watt. You still have Deshaun Watson. We can still make a second half push towards the playoffs. And, you know, it's it's a little bit reasonable given that our schedule is going to be a little bit more easier. But then you have people like me and my co-host John that's saying, you know what, just red shirt this year, clean house, and just start fresh. So either either way, regardless of of what the fans want, the Texans are going to line up on Sunday and they're going to try and beat the Green Bay Packers. That's a player's job, and, and they're still going to do it. They very much tried last week knowing that, hey, look, the playoffs probably not within reach. So this offense is still really, really talented. Deshaun Watson is incredible. You've got Will Fuller. Brandon Cooks is healthy, Randall Cobb, David Johnson, Laramie Tunsil. The offensive line is quietly playing better than I think a lot of people realize. So how how can anyone slow this Texans team down uh, if, if they can? Because I'm not convinced they can. To be honest with you, the Texans actually slow themselves down. And what I mean by that is, you know you have Deshaun Watson, and it finally seems like, Watson and his receiving core are finally starting to get that mojo, finally starting to get that chemistry. And to be honest with you, I think it would be in the Texans' best interest just to stick to that game plan. But for some reason, they still want to try to have a run game, a run game that has been inefficient, a run game that has been terrible with David Johnson. And I'm sorry, at first, I I really thought that a change of scenery was what David Johnson needed, but unfortunately, it's not. And when you think about the Houston Texans and you think about some of the most productive running backs they have had, I mean, outside of Arian Foster, we we never really had the best run game in the league, but it was reasonable. You go back to last year with Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson, it was a reasonable run game. This year, the run game has been so inefficient. And there has been so many times that the Houston Texans offense get out there on the field and they go three and out because you wasted two of your first three possessions trying to run the ball. And David Johnson is only averaging somewhere between three to three and a half yards per carry. He's not getting anywhere. And that's if he gets somewhere beyond the line of scrimmage. There has been so many times throughout these first six weeks that he has been stopped behind the line of scrimmage, which means the Houston Texans are losing yards. So that's why I say I feel like the Houston Texans at the end of the day, they're going to beat themselves because when you put the ball into Sean Watson's hand, he's going to make something happen out of nothing. And he has shown that time and time again. And given how depleted Bill O'Brien has left this organization, has left this roster, it's it's to the point where the Texans are just forced to just make sure that they win or lose by any means necessary with Deshaun Watson and the ball in his hands. And yet they continue to give it to David Johnson. As you said, what's interesting is 
they have a really inefficient run game. And according to ESPN's run block win rate, have a top five run blocking offensive line. It's really remarkable that that's the position that they're in. When I saw that, I was like, there's no way that's true. It's very frustrating. Every single Sunday, I ask my co-host John this question. I say, do you think it's the offensive line or do you think David Johnson just isn't good? And the answer every single week is David Johnson just isn't good. And it's, it's so frustrating. As someone who is an avowed Deshaun Watson fan, I have been on his corner just like or in his corner since Clemson. I think he's incredible. I, I hope for his sake that Eric Bieniemy is his coach very soon. Obviously, we, I want to talk more about what's going on on Sunday. But if you're if you're if you get a phone call tomorrow from the Houston organization and they say, Cody, who should we hire to run this team for the next five years? What advice are you giving them? Eric Bieniemy. You just said the guy's name right then and there. And I, I, and the reason why I would like to see Eric come to Houston because what the Texans need to do, and this is something that has actually been holding Deshaun Watson back over the, his first couple of years in the league, is the fact that he did not have a coach who can actually build an offense around his skill set. And when I look at guys around the league like a Lamar Jackson, like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Russell Wilson, and even like a Aaron Rodgers, I've seen that you guys had coaches who actually took the time to build an offense around their skill set. And that is something that Deshaun Watson did not have. And you see what Eric Bieniemy has been able to do in Kansas City. That's what Deshaun Watson needs in Houston. Because I cannot tell you time and time again, it seems like, Yes, Deshaun Watson so far in his career has played phenomenal. But at the end of the day, I feel like we still haven't seen the best version of Deshaun Watson. And you can actually tell the difference in these two games that Watson has played without Bill O'Brien versus the first four games or just going back to last season and the season before that with Bill O'Brien. It seems like he has more freedom now. And not only that, he has a coaching staff that trusts him. So if I can put in any kind of input on who the Houston Texans should consider, if it's Eric Bieniemy or not, they need to make sure that they have a guy who can build an offense around Deshaun Watson and actually trust their quarterback and not just try to win a game by by trying to make the, the right move or the correct move. No, scratch that. You have Deshaun Watson. This guy can make something out of, out of nothing. Let the man, I, like I started a phrase, let Deshaun Watson cook. Put the ball in his hands and let him cook. Well, the, the Seahawks let Russ cook this year, so maybe they can get to Sean cooking uh, with Eric Bieniemy or even even someone like Brian Dable, Greg Roman. I mean, there are a lot of guys who I think could come in and do a great – because Deshaun really is that, that talented. I asked a league source uh, a week or two ago who he thought – the perfect guy was and he, he said Eric Bieniemy, and not just because of the coaching stuff but because of le the leadership stuff too that the organization needs a leader although I think Deshaun Watson also is is a hell of a leader on the other side of the ball uh the the Packers before last week were rolling they were the best offense in football by a number of metrics one of the best offenses ever in terms of efficiency in points per drive and and, and uh, uh, like I said a number of different metrics Houston does not look, to my eyes, equipped to slow them down the same way the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did 
and that's with J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless and and some players that I think are are pretty good. So, uh, how do they do it? Are they what is the the methodology? Can they? I mean, just give me the path for it if you can. To slowing down Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, <laughs> Peter, I wish I had an answer for you, but I don't. <laughs> the laugh says it all, Cody. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, what I would say, the best version of the Texans' defense is their front seven. And they actually have done a really good job getting to the quarterback. And I know you guys are dealing with a couple banged-up players on your offensive side of the ball. And that's part of the reason why I think that the Texans might have a slimmer of hope of coming out victorious in this game because if they can get to Aaron Rodgers, we saw this in a game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Once you get to Aaron Rodgers, you kind of take the whole Packers team out of the game in, in general. But the front seven is actually kind of kind of solid. And I know that might be saying a lot, given the fact that this team has the worst run defense in the league. But at the same time, I kind of feel like there were several situations that didn't go in the Texans' favor is part of the reason why they got ended up with one of the worst run defenses in the league. With that being said, Aaron Rodgers, at the end of the day, I'm afraid to know what is he going to do with this Texans secondary because this this secondary is god-awful. And, and I'm looking at it from a standpoint that Ryan Tannehill went out and recorded, I believe it was 350-something passing yards on the Texans secondary. I'm afraid to see what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Well, and and the thing that the Buccaneers were able to do is they were able to stop the run and make the Packers play left-handed. And knowing that they couldn't run the ball, they said, okay, not only do we know you can't run the ball, but now we're going to just pressure the absolute daylights out of you. And the Texans just don't seem like they're capable of making the Packers play left-handed. And when the Packers can play balanced... You just can't stop them, even a defense with more talent than than Houston has. I mean, I, there are, like I said, there are some players I really like on that team. I think Eric Justin Reed is one of the most underrated players in the league. I loved him coming out of school. I still don't understand why he fell, although some people will tell you it's because of his relationship with Eric Reed and, and the connection to Colin Kaepernick, unfortunately. Uh, but I think there's there's still talent there, and I think that's ultimately why Bill O'Brien lost his job, right? The team was too talented to be losing these games and playing as poorly as they are. Unfortunately for them, that's the difference this week between a well-coached team and a not well-coached team, and, and Green Bay has uh, a well-coached team. So uh, what is your prediction for how this is all going to shake out? The Texans are in a position where they cannot afford to lose any more games. And I would hate to see this team go into the bye week because their bye week is next week. I would hate to see this team go into the bye week at one in six. And with that being said, I think the Texans are going to dig deep and find some kind of way to come out of this game victorious. And I have them winning this game 35 to 30. And I think their high power offense that they have displayed over the past two games would carry over into Sunday's game against you guys. And I think because, like I mentioned, you guys are, are playing with a weakened offensive line. I think our front seven, especially uh, given how good J.J. Watt has been playing over the past couple of weeks, I think that's going to be enough to exploit that weakness and, and possibly get one or two stops that can actually lead to a Houston Texans victory.
Thanks to the lack of natural athleticism or commitment, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they will join another league, the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Locked Over Crossover here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Peter, man, let's jump right into it. The Packers are coming off an embarrassing loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who handed you guys the first loss of the season. In your opinion, do you believe that Sunday's blowout loss proved that the Packers in 2020 are not as good as their 1-4 record show, especially considering that coming into the season, You guys only played one good team, which were the New Orleans Saints, and it took a costly fumble from Taysom Hill to seal that victory. I think they are exactly as good as 4-1. I don't think they are quite as good as their offense looked in the first month of the season. I think that's the big difference because offensively, they were leading the league in all of the advanced metrics. They were number one in DVOA, number one in EPA per play. They had a better, this is crazy, Cody. They had a better points per drive number than the 2007 Patriots. That's how crazy efficient they have been this season. And that was never going to hold. It was never going to be that way all season, especially not with Devontae Adams being hurt for, for half the year so far, especially not with Alan Lazard being injured. I mean, they were able to score 30 against the Falcons without either of those guys, which I think is a credit to them. But against a really good defense like Tampa Bay, um, you know, there was just there were too many obstacles for them to overcome, including Aaron Rodgers not playing well, the offensive line not playing well. Still, uh, the, the offensive line has been the best group in the league, even with this embarrassing performance. And Aaron Rodgers is playing at an extremely high level. I think he went from the highest graded quarterback in the league by pro football focus to the second highest off of one awful, terrible game. So that tells you the level he had been playing at. Uh, I'm I'm not worried about this team moving forward. Aaron Rodgers said after the game that he thinks it's an anomaly, not a start of a trend. I think that's right. Speaking of Sunday's game against the Bucks, left tackle David Bottiari left the game with a chest injury and his status against the Texans remain in question. How much of a concern is there in Green Bay if David is forced to miss Sunday's game? And was his absence the reason behind Aaron Rodgers getting sacked four times? It wasn't the only reason. Um, If you look at the, you know, for instance, the pro football focus grading had um, Rodgers responsible for at least four of the pressures. They had over 20 pressures Tampa Bay did in in that game. Um, Ricky Wagner came in and, and played for David Bakhtiari. It's pretty tough to come in on short notice switch sides of the offensive line it is much different playing the left side versus the right side it is not an easy transition to make in fact when the Packers started Elton Jenkins who was a left guard at right tackle in week one I had Joe Thomas unlocked on Packers and he was like it's really hard and Elton Jenkins made it look really easy because he just played so effortlessly and then went back to left guard in the same game because their guard got hurt. So the Packers have done a lot of reshuffling on the offensive line this year. Um, they've made it work against other teams. They made it work against the Vikings. They made it work against the Lions. And they they had been playing with uh, their, their preferred starting five here. Aaron Rodgers seemed relatively confident that, that David Bakhtiari would at least do everything he could to try and play this week. We still don't know what the injury is other than it's a chest injury. So presumably, if it were serious, they would tell us. 
and or we'd know that it would be it would have been reported it would have leaked so we don't we don't really know what to think of it but i think they'll be okay um if it were saints week and they were going to new orleans and having to play in the superdome with fans i'd be much more worried about it now entering his 15th year how has Aaron Rodgers looked so far this season? And what type of damage do you believe Rodgers can do to a subpar secondary that the Houston Texans have? Well, I mean, I, I think it's going to it's gonna be up to the plan, and I think it's going to be up to the offensive line because that is the only way I see the Texans being able to derail this offense is if J.J. Watt just plays out of his mind, Whitney Merciless, and those pass rushers crank things up. Uh, I, I think even if... The Texans decide to bring pressure like the, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. I don't see how their guys on the back end are going to be able to cover well enough to slow down someone like Devontae Adams. So, you know, you, you're going to need Merciless and and maybe you send Zach Cunningham more than, than you would otherwise. And as I said, Watt, we know how good a player he is, but, you know... Is Bradley Roby going to hold up in coverage? Is Vernon Hargraves going to going to hold up in coverage? Um, I I just don't see how this secondary is going to be able to, especially cover Devontae Adams. So I, I think that's the that's the problem. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has looked much better than he had in the, in the last two years to open the season, uh, throwing with with better mechanics, a better base, and a, a lot more um, consistency in terms of his mechanics. And uh, his accuracy has really improved as a result. So um, that that has been a major reason why this team has looked so good. But also the the scheme has been great. Matt Lafleur has been outstanding. He has taken a jump as a play caller and a play a play designer. So um, it, it's something that has been uh, uh, something that is fully orchestrated across you know, players and coaches this season. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, it appears that you guys have possibly a middle of a pack defense. But if there is one aspect of the defense that concerns you coming into Houston, what do you fear the Texans can exploit? You know, it's not so much what I fear about what Green Bay um, is going to do. It's more what I fear with Deshaun Watson is and what he's capable of doing. Uh, Green Bay's defense right now is is designed to make you go 10, 12, 15 plays. So they're going to play off coverage. They're going to rush three. They're going to rush four. They're going to hope they can get home with that. And then they're going to make you throw underneath with two deep safeties and and rally to the ball and make tackles. And they're going to they're going to say nothing over the top. You're not going to you're not going to hit 60 yard plays. You're not going to hit 30 yard plays. And we know that that's something the Texans are going to try and do. So. You know, something you said to me um, earlier was that the Texans like to beat themselves. That's what the Packers are going to try and do defensively to say, if if we make you go 10, 12, 14 plays, we think you're going to screw up somewhere in there. You're going to have a holding penalty. You're going to blow a block on a run, and it's going to be second and 12 uh, when it could have been second and eight, or there's going to be a dropped pass, or there's going to be a fumble or an interception, something like that. And they're going to give you an opportunity to to beat yourself, and and that'll be, I think, the plan for this defense. I, I don't know that any of the matchups individually um, scare me all that much. The Texans don't have a tight end that would make me worried about this defense, which has had a history of of not covering tight ends. <laughs> so, uh, in terms of the the corners, I mean, I feel decent, I guess, about the the matchups there. So, I, I think it's really just. 
if if Deshaun Watson can stay patient, he's talented enough to beat them, and that's the biggest concern. Last question before getting out of here. What are your predictions for Sunday's game and who you think going to come away victorious, which I'm pretty sure nine times out of ten is going to be Green Bay? I think it's going to be a shootout. Um, I think it's going to be something like 38-35, similar to what we saw last week. Uh, if, if you think about it, uh, the, the Texans really had two weeks to prepare for this game because Arthur Smith in Tennessee is using Matt LaFleur's playbook to call that offense. And so not only do you get to look at it and say, okay, so these are all the places that the Titans were able to attack Houston, but Houston gets to say, okay, we saw that. And, and they get to go the other way and say, okay, now that we've seen it, how do we, how do we better prepare for it? whoever can can find those marginal advantages I think will end up coming out on top and I just think overall Green Bay um, they're a more balanced team they can run the ball more effectively which is going to keep them on schedule a little bit more and it's going to really force Houston to be ultra efficient in ways that that we haven't seen them be so uh, yeah I like them 38 35 something like that Thanks, Peter. It's been a pleasure, man. And with that being said, that concludes another installment of Locked On Texans, only on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y. D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Please remember to follow Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Digital Megaphone, and Spotify, and all of your favorite podcast streaming services. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.